0: If you have your Bible this morning, you can turn with me to Mark, chapter number 10. Mark, chapter number 10. And while you're turning, let me ask you a question. I want you to think, it's not really a question, it's not a challenge for you. I want you to think of some life-changing experiences uh, that you've had. Because, I mean, at some point or another, we've all had some pretty life-changing experiences, Something that changes the way that we live, something that changes our outlook on life, something that changes the direction of our life. And I can tell you about a few experiences that I've had. I remember in 2009, I graduated from college and I got my ministry credentials all within a, a two-three week period of each other. And those those were big life-changing events for me because at, at that point. I was no longer a student. I mean, that is something that had defined me for 16, 17, 18 years by the time I did all of my schooling. I was a student. I was growing up. And, and even when I got into the college years, it was, I'm becoming a pastor. And it was something that um, sort of identified me for a very long time. And all of a sudden, it, it changed. After graduation and after I got the credentials, it was no longer, I'm becoming a pastor. It was, I am a pastor. <laughs> and I started on a new journey Um, traveling down roads and paths that I hadn't yet traveled. Um, Obviously, most of you know, uh, I got married just uh, a little over a year ago. That is a big life-changing event, Um, getting married, because now I have a spouse, and my priorities are different, and my responsibilities in life are different, and a lot of things have changed. Everything from how I handle finances to where I put dirty laundry in the house has changed. Maybe you can relate to some of those experiences. Uh, Maybe you've started a new job or something that has changed the course and direction of your life. Uh, Maybe you've experienced the life-changing nature of getting married or having kids. Um, Or maybe you've had life experiences, life-changing experiences that weren't so positive. Uh, Maybe you've gone through an incredible illness of some sort or you've lost a loved one. Uh, All of these things are life-changing experiences for us. And when we come out the other side, we've been changed. Our attitudes are different, our actions are different, our priorities and our responsibilities, even just the the general outlook that we can have on the world and life are are different after we've had some of these big experiences. And this morning we're going to talk about experiences that change our spiritual lives. Experiences that change our spiritual lives. And let's be real honest right at the beginning, um, I'm not trying to be really me-focused or us-focused this morning, but the entire point of the gospel is about God changing our lives, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. We were sinners that were destined for eternal punishment, but God loved us so much that he sent his son into this world to pay the price for our sins, right? Isn't that the gospel? John three sixteen "'For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, "'that whoever believes in him should not perish "'but have eternal life.'" For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I mean, this is life-changing stuff. We were destined for hell, but now we can look forward to spending eternity in God's presence. And I believe that God doesn't just want us to spend, uh, to just have this one-time experience where our eternal destiny has changed, but I believe he wants us to be continually Um, working in our lives and continually changing our lives. He wants our hearts to be molded and to be made more like him. He wants us, he, he wants to fill us up with so much of his love that we overflow it and spill it out onto others. He wants to fill our hearts with hope and peace and he wants to give us new direction and new purposes. And if I can be really super transparent with you this morning, spiritually speaking, I'm not where I want to be. And hopefully all of us would say that about our spiritual lives, right? Spiritually speaking, we're still hungry for change. We're still hungry for growth. We're hungry for continued maturity and development and hungry for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I don't know about you, I need more of those experiences where I come face to face with Jesus and he changes my life. I need more of those experiences. You need more of those experiences. Not because we're not good enough Christians as is, but because the whole nature of God living in our hearts is that he's changing our lives. And so we're going to look in the scriptures at a life-changing moment, and we're going to see a man who was outcast and rejected by the world, but it was a man who met Jesus and had his life changed. And as we look at this story, I believe that we'll see an important truth that we can apply to our lives that the key to having life-changing encounters with Jesus is listening for his call and responding in faith. The key to having life-changing encounters with Jesus is listening for his call and responding in faith. Are you struggling with life? Do you need to grow and mature in your spiritual walk? Do you need the peace of Jesus in your life? Do you need a miracle? Do you need renewed hope for the future? Do you need to have more life-changing encounters with God? The key is to listen for his call and to respond in faith. Mark chapter number 10, verse 46 says this, And they came to Jericho. They came to Jericho. Who is they? That is Jesus and his disciples and a crowd of people who have been following Jesus around. He had been performing many miracles, drawing huge crowds ever since he started his ministry. And we don't know how many people are here at this time, but we know from other accounts in the Gospels that there have been 4,000, 5,000 people following jesus around and so i think it's safe to say that here in jericho there have been lots of people following jesus and the disciples and jesus is coming to jericho because he's making his way to jerusalem he's been traveling around the land for some time uh, but the time has come for him to enter into jerusalem for the final time this is going to be him entering into jerusalem and leading up to uh, the events of the cross And so he's been traveling around Galilee and other areas and he's sort of made his way down to Jericho and he's heading toward Jerusalem. And this is what's going on and we continue in verse 46. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Scripture doesn't give us much information about Bartimaeus. It mentions him specifically by name. His name means son of Timaeus. And it tells us that he is a blind beggar who is sitting by the roadside. And there's other instances in the Gospels and in the book of Acts where those who were unable to walk or those who, would, who were blind would sit by the roadside near the heavily traveled places, and they would beg for money. Oftentimes, there were several beggars lined up. And I'm going through all this because I want you to get the, the picture of this. I want you to, to, in a sense, feel like you're there for this experience. Uh, there could be several beggars lined up. The book of Matthew contains an account of, of this exact incident, and it mentions that there were two beggars beggars, uh, that were healed. The fact that Matthew mentions two beggars and Mark only mentions one doesn't mean that one account is right and one account is wrong. There probably were two beggars, but Mark is choosing here in his book to focus on one and, uh, through the guiding of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's chosen to mention Bartimaeus by name, which I think is significant. Because to Mark's original audience, see, if, if somebody's going through and they're writing something, they put somebody's name in, it's very likely that whoever that person is writing to is going to recognize that name. And so for Mark's original audience, they would have probably recognized Bartimaeus' name. And, and I think the reason for that would have been because of his involvement in the early church. Mark is writing to to people, and and people would have recognized Bartimaeus' name because of his his role in the early church. And so we're already starting to see evidence that this man had an amazing, life-changing encounter with Jesus. He went from being an overlooked, blind beggar on the road to somebody that Mark's audience would have recognized because of his role in the church. His life had been changed amazingly. Continuing on, verse, 40, verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so I want you to picture this in your mind. You're on the road leading out of Jericho into Jerusalem. There's a blind man begging for money, and, and you hear the noise of the crowd that's coming, and you hear them whispering that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And as we've said, crowds have been following Jesus. Um, Jesus had, in a lot of respects, become sort of a local celebrity. Everybody knew about the great miracles that were happening. And so many people were following him, and they were amazed at his works and amazed at his healings. And, uh, and no doubt the stories had made their way around, and they'd even made their way to Bartimaeus. And so here on the road outside of Jericho sits Bartimaeus, who is blind, and let's be real, he has no hope for his situation. As far as he is concerned, as far as most of the world is concerned, there is no hope for this man. The best he probably could have hoped for that day was that a lot of people would have walked by him and thrown money his way, because that was what he needed every day. But then he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming and is walking by And his mind flashes back to all the stories that he's heard about Jesus and all the amazing things that have taken place around the region and the people who couldn't walk, but now they could run. The people who were blind, and now they could see. And he knows that this is his chance. This is his one opportunity to have his life changed. This is his chance to meet Jesus. So he cries out with everything that's in him, Son of David, have mercy on me. Can you feel the emotion that comes from this man and, and his shouting? Uh, this is his chance. This is his hope for his life being changed. And it's interesting to note the way that, that Bartimaeus approaches Jesus and the way that he addresses him because it's not Jesus of Nazareth, which was a very common sort of way to address somebody. You've got their name. You've got where they're from. He doesn't address him as that. He addresses him as son of David because he recognizes in a sense that Jesus is the Messiah. The Old Testament has all the prophecies that talk about how the Messiah will be from the line of David, from the lineage of David. And here Bartimaeus taps into that and he sees Jesus not just as a celebrity, somebody who can do amazing signs and wonders, but he sees Jesus as the Messiah that changes lives. Verse 48 says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, can you just imagine this, shouting out with all of the volume and all the strength and all of the energy that you have in you, crying out to Jesus. And here's what the crowd begins to do. Shh. Can you imagine that? Shh. Be quiet, man. And I always wondered why. Every time I read this, I wonder why were they so... So quick to to just say, "Hey, shh, be quiet." I mean, did they think that Jesus was too busy? Did they think that Bartimaeus was just too low and too embarrassing? Did they think that Bartimaeus wanted money, and while well, Jesus didn't have any money to give, uh, I don't know what their motivation was, but they do their best to silence him. You know, you, you get the whole thing. Shh, be quiet, man. Like, what's your deal? This is Jesus. Get your act together. <laughs> they probably even threw some coins his way to get him to. Try to get him to shut up. But Bartimaeus wasn't having it, and he didn't take their response as the final word, and he cried out again with every ounce of strength and energy he had, Son of David, have mercy on me. We could probably stop here and just have a message on determination and persistence, even in the face of people telling him to stop, telling him it was pointless, maybe even giving off the vibe that he was embarrassing or that he was too low or he was too worthless to associate with Jesus, but he presses on and he doesn't give in to the people because he knows that this is his chance. Jesus is passing by and Bartimaeus has to get his attention. Continuing to verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. So despite what all of the people in the crowd were saying to Bartimaeus and telling him to be quiet and telling him to stop yelling out, his persistence and his faith pays off. And somewhere in the midst of the crowd, like you can just picture it, Jesus in this huge crowd of people surrounding him. And all of a sudden from somewhere in that that crowd, Bartimaeus can hear Jesus say, stop, bring him to me. I mean, even in the midst of all of that noise, Jesus hears his voice and the crowd changes their tone as is so often with people, our, our, especially when we're in groups. Our opinions can be swayed so easily. And it goes from, shh, be quiet, to take heart. Jesus is calling you. Verse 50 records that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Can you sense the excitement in those words? Threw off his cloak, sprang up, and, and if I could substitute my own words, ran or walked probably as fast as he could to Jesus. I mean, can you feel the excitement in this, the excitement in what is happening? And in verse 51, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus calls to him, Bartimaeus comes, and Bartimaeus, again, uh, important the way he addresses Jesus, he addresses Jesus as rabbi, shows his reverence for and respect for and submission to Jesus as the master. And he asks Jesus to heal him of his blindness. A condition that had probably been with him since birth. Something that had become his identity. I mean, if his name was mentioned, one of the first things that would come to mind was, he's the blind guy that sits outside on the road. Something that up until this day, he probably had no hope of ever being free from. And he asked Jesus to heal him. And in verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus had just had his life changed in the most incredible way. His blindness had been healed. Uh, It completely changes everything about him. I mean, imagine being blind from birth, and all of a sudden, at the word of Jesus, you can see what an amazing thing that would be to experience, God completely changing somebody's life. It's an amazing, amazing miracle that changed Bartimaeus' life. And so this brings us to the question, what does this mean for us? How does this fit for us? It brings us back to the key truth we mentioned earlier, that the key to having life-changing encounters with Jesus is listening for his call and responding in faith. Listening for his call and responding in faith. Let's take a deeper look at this and see how it relates to our lives today. Bartimaeus was crying out, Again, at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have you had those times in your life where you just cried out at the top of your lungs to God? Out of every bit of of desperation and every bit of strength and, and energy and physically and emotionally, you're just crying out and hoping with everything in you that God hears you. I'll say this, I believe Scripture teaches us in several places that God does hear our cries to Him. But take this passage just in particular. There's a great crowd, possibly with hundreds or thousands of people following Jesus around. And if you've ever been in a crowd, you know that crowds can get loud. I mean, even y'all just on Sunday mornings when you're fellowshipping, it can get loud in here, which is good. It's a good thing. People are having their conversations with each other. These people were talking as they walked. Maybe there were babies crying. Maybe there were people laughing. Hundreds or thousands of people. And on top of that, there are probably several beggars who are crying out, hoping that one of the passerbys will throw some change their way. It's probably quite the scene. But Jesus is able to discern this man's voice above all else. Yes, Bartimaeus was crying uh, loudly, to get his attention, but I think Jesus was keenly aware of this man's voice above all of the other noise. It brings to mind the passage where Jesus is once again in a huge crowd of people and a woman who is sick reaches out her hand to touch Jesus. And Jesus is in this huge crowd and he stops and he says, who touched me? And his disciples are around him and they say, What do you mean who touched you? You're in a crowd full of people. And he says, no, no. Somebody touched me. Somebody specific touched me. And Jesus recognizes that this woman had been reaching to him for healing and immediately she's healed. Jesus is aware of her even with all the other stuff going on. And I think Jesus was aware of Bartimaeus even with all of this other stuff that was going on. That's the way our God works. He knows every need even before we know what we need. He knows our voice. He hears every cry and every prayer that comes out of our mouths, and he's faithful to respond and to speak to us. And that's something that, uh, man, even I'm still learning that. I'm amazed at how often God is trying to speak to me, but I feel like he's not. And if you've been in that place where you've said, man, I just wish that God was speaking to me, you probably understand what I'm saying. Because we we get in this place, we feel, man, God, if you would just speak to me, then I could go on and I could do this and everything would be great. But what I'm realizing is that God is trying to speak to me all the time, but I'm not listening close enough to hear his voice. I'm too concerned about all the other stuff that's going on. I'm too concerned about how I'm going to fix my life or how I'm going to get out of this situation, or what is next for me in my mind in, in what's coming up in the days and weeks ahead. And I'm too distracted by everything else to really listen to God's voice. I mean, Bartimaeus had a huge crowd around him, and when Jesus called, they all said, hey, man, he's, he's calling you. We don't always have large crowds, crowds around us, so it's important that we are always listening closely for God to call us and to speak to us. And we could have many different conversations and sermons and and things like that about God speaking to us. Um, I'll just draw your attention quickly to, to a passage from 1 Kings. When Elijah is in the cave, the prophet is hiding in the cave and he's waiting for God to show up and speak to him and there's a great earthquake and there's a great wind and there's a great fire and scripture says that God wasn't in any of those big, flashy, obvious things. But then a whisper came to Elijah, and that was God speaking to Elijah in that whisper. For us, God usually speaks in whispers. It may be audible. It may be more likely that God will be speaking to us through that inner voice in our heads, inside of our hearts. But it's important that we learn to recognize what the voice of God sounds like, because if we don't hear God speaking to us, it makes it nearly impossible for us to properly respond and to live our life, and to do the things that God is calling us to do. Because that's part of the key too, right? Listening for his call and responding in faith. So let's take just a few minutes to look at responding in faith. Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road, and the crowd tells him that Jesus is coming. And Scripture says again that he threw off his cloak, that he sprang up, and that he ran to Jesus. Let's talk about this cloak for a second. The cloak was a piece of clothing, uh, your translation may say outer garment. This a piece of clothing usually worn as the outermost garment. For Bartimaeus, who spent so much time outside, this was essential for him. It would have kept him warm on cold mornings, and in the evenings after the sun went down, uh, it was probably one of the only possessions that this man had. And he would, he would wrap himself up in it, and he would keep warm with it. Uh, it was comfort. It was identity. Probably much like, you know, we can identify coats and things uh, that are laying around and, you know, coats that we wear all the time. People may have been able to identify him just by looking at his, his cloak and saying, yeah, that belongs to, to that beggar that sits outside, but it wasn't just a piece of clothing for him. It's likely that the cloak played an even greater role in Bartimaeus' life. See, what he would have done when he went out to sit on the road and beg. is he would have sat on the ground, and this cloak would have, have covered probably parts of his leg and laid on the ground. And as people walked by and they tossed coins at him, it would have fallen on this cloak. We get the picture of like the, the old man with the, the shaky hand and the, the tin cup and it makes all the noise, you know, alms for the poor. Yeah, it probably wasn't the way it worked for them and this, this cloak probably acted as, as not just a, a, a comfort and security and, and one of his possessions and something to keep him warm, it probably acted as a way for him to collect the money that was thrown to him. And so it was very important because it represented his way of life. It was his security. It played a huge role in how he got his money and his resources and how he lived. And it was a huge part of his life on a day-to-day basis. Yet when Jesus calls him, what does Scripture say? That he, flew his, or that he tossed his cloak aside. And can you just picture all the coins that may have collected just bling, through the air? I mean, he is throwing off everything that he has, and he's springing up with excitement and with action, because Jesus is calling him. He is, is in a sense uh, he probably didn't realize it at the time, but you, know, even symbolically for us, it's representative of throwing away the things that, that hinder. Isn't those the words of Paul? He says, I I throw off the things that hinder, the things that so easily entangle so that I can run to Jesus. He's setting aside his old security and his old comforts and his old identity so that he can live his life in a new way because it's going to be changed by Jesus. This is a response in faith. I believe this is directly connected to the point where Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Was it faith in Jesus as the Messiah? Yeah. Was it faith in, in the fact that Jesus could heal him? Yes, but I think there's an element to it that, that there's faith in saying, I don't need to live the way that I've been living because Jesus is going to change my life. This was his, the, what he was expecting. This was, this was what was going on in his mind. And this is a life-changing experience for Bartimaeus because he throws off his old life And he follows Jesus. Uh, And and verse 52 says that he followed him on the way. Followed him on the way. See, Bartimaeus wasn't just following Jesus because of the spectacle. He wasn't just somebody that got caught up in the excitement of the crowd. He wasn't just a witness to a miracle. He experienced a miracle. And he follows Jesus on the way. The way to where? If you look in chapter 11 you'll see that the way and where Jesus was going was into Jerusalem and preparing for the triumphal entry, again leading to the events that take Jesus to the cross. And so Bartimaeus followed Jesus from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he was likely a part of the crowd that was shouting at the triumphal entry, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. He was probably one of those people. And if you would remember what happened during that week of Jesus being in Jerusalem, in the hours leading up to Jesus going to the cross, the crowd betrays him. The crowd betrays Jesus, and and they turn on Jesus, and and they, they demand that a prisoner be released so that Jesus can be kept in custody. Do you think that Bartimaeus, who was probably present... For all of this, do you think that he turned on Jesus? I doubt it. Why? Because he had personally experienced the life-changing power of Jesus. He wasn't following Jesus because Jesus was a celebrity. He was following Jesus because his life had been changed. When you truly encounter the Lord in your life, you don't give up on him when things go unexpectedly, or when things go bad, or even when things are painful. You cling to the life and the hope and the peace that he gives you. And so here's where I think, just to to be really honest, I think it's important to understand the reality of knowing the Savior and experiencing his life-changing power, what the gospel is really all about, because many people have been led astray by false promises. Many people have been, been led astray by the idea that if you come to Jesus, Jesus will give you everything that you ever wanted money, life will be easy, smooth sailing. Jesus doesn't promise that. The gospel doesn't promise that. Ask the disciples. They went through very difficult times. Paul went through difficult times. The early church went through difficult times. The gospel of Jesus doesn't promise that life will be easier, that we won't have struggles. He doesn't promise that we'll have tons of money or resources. Jesus doesn't promise that everybody will like us. But what the gospel does promise is that when we go through those difficult times, we have the comfort of knowing that the Holy Spirit is with us, leading us and guiding us through our hard times. And the gospel promises that we can even have the peace of Christ in our lives, knowing that no matter what happens, that God is in control and He is watching over us. The gospel promises that the hope uh, that we have, it's just not limited to just this life, but we can look forward to eternity with heaven where sin, it, sin has been defeated and we're in God's presence in a way that we have never experienced here on earth. This is the gospel of Jesus that changes our lives. As I said earlier, I need more life-changing encounters with Jesus You need more life-changing encounters with Jesus. It's essential for our Christian walk that we are allowing God to change our hearts and our lives. We need more of those encounters. They shouldn't be elusive. See, here's one of those things. Like A lot of times we feel like God is just uh, uh, God's trying to hide from us, but everything I read in Scripture says that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to show himself to us. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God's playing games with people. God wants to speak to our hearts and change our lives, but we have to listen for His voice and we have to respond to Him in faith. And I believe that we've seen that key from Scripture this morning. The key to having life-changing encounters with Jesus is listening for His call and responding in faith. So where are we at? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for you? What does it mean for all of us today? Well, for starters... Some of you are here today, and you feel like you're just a beggar on the side of the road. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you're broken. You feel outcast and overlooked. But today, the Savior is calling your name. He is calling out to you specifically, and he's saying, "Come to me, because I want to change your life. I want to pick you up. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you that you're not alone. Uh, that that you're not worthless. That you're not overlooked." Jesus might be coming to you and saying, yes, you're broken, but let me pick you up and help you put yourself back together. Jesus is saying, I want to fill your heart and I want to give you peace and love and forgiveness and hope and I want to change your life. Some of you in here might be in that place, but you have to come to Jesus. Jesus has done his part and he's calling out to you this morning, but he's asking you to get up and asking you to come to him. And to bring yourself to Him and respond to His call and to have faith in Him. Maybe today you need the reassurance just that the Savior hears you and sees you in the situation you're in. And that He wants to meet you and bring you through your situation. You need the reassurance that God hears your voice, that God hears your prayer. For some of you, the illustration of the cloak being thrown off really hits home for you. Because you've wanted to give your life full force to Jesus and live for Him uh, and let Him change your life, but you've been shackled to your securities and your comforts. You're clinging to your old identity and your old ways and your old self because, well, it's what you know. And it's comfortable. And it's easy to stay where you're at and keep doing the things that you've been doing. I mean, let's be real. Starting new things in your life is hard and messy and sometimes scary. But God wants to change our life, and it's essential for our Christian walk that we let Him do that. And this is all about faith. I mean, this is all about the the throwing off the cloak and and the coming to Jesus in faith. Because the questions that we can reduce this down to are, do you trust God enough to let go of these things? Do you trust God enough to provide for you? Do you trust God enough to open the door and the right path for you? Do you trust God enough to hand over your situation and your life to Him? Do you trust that He can change your life? And so maybe today some of you need to throw off your cloak. You need to get rid of some securities and some comforts. You need to grow up in your faith. You need to trust that God will take care of you and will set you free and heal you and change your life. And finally, for some of you, you may need to rethink how you view and address Jesus. See, Bartimaeus didn't call Jesus by the common names. He didn't say Jesus of Nazareth. He said Son of David. He called Jesus Rabbi because he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, we're talking about having your life changed today. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I need some things changed in my life. You need to experience the Savior maybe for the first time and experience His life-changing power and love. You can do that today. That is not elusive. That is not something that you have to chase. God is here, and God wants to meet with you. And so here's the final thing before we close. Sometimes, uh, uh, again, you know, we just, we feel like like all of these things are, are, like we have to get to some secret hidden level in our spiritual life, Right? And like, there's this big like, path that we have to walk through before God's going to speak to us or before God's going to do anything to us. When Jesus was walking the road out of Jericho, Jesus didn't have any hoops that Bartimaeus had to jump through. He didn't have a long list of requirements that had to be met. It boiled down to two simple things, to Bartimaeus hearing the call and him responding in faith. And that's what it boils down to for us this morning. God hasn't laid out this, this big game for you to walk through in order to experience him in your life and to have your life changed. He asks for simple things. He asks for us to hear his voice and to respond in faith. That is the key to having life-changing encounters with Jesus, listening for his call and responding in faith. Would you bow your heads with me today? As, uh, as Karen comes to, to play for us. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. And God, I'm thankful for this challenge that has come our way this morning. God, I pray that in the next few minutes, as we seek your face, as we spend time allowing your Holy Spirit to, to search our hearts and know our hearts, God, I pray that uh, you would draw us close to you, God. I pray that you would reveal things in our life, God, that you want to do. You want to you change our lives, God. I pray that, that uh, you would, would find a home in us, that you'd be welcome in us, and that you would feel free to change us, God. We open ourselves to you and ask that you would search us and move among us today. Thank you, Father. As we remain in this atmosphere of prayer, let me just talk to you for a few minutes. Let me say this again. The key to having life-changing encounters with Jesus is listening for his call and responding in faith. Some of you just need to sit here and let this word sink in and permeate your heart today. You need to meditate on it and take it with you from this place and think about how you're going to apply it to the specifics of your life. Are you listening for the voice of God? Are you responding in faith to His call? It's a challenging question for me. I I believe it's a challenging question for all of us. I want to give us some time before we officially close the service to respond to this word. And, And I have... Some, some clothing, closing thoughts and, and challenges as as Karen continues to play and as we 're in this atmosphere of prayer, I just encourage you to open yourself up and let God speak to you during the next few minutes. I want to address those people uh, this morning who need to reevaluate the way that they approach Jesus. They need to reevaluate the way that they address Jesus and the role that he has in their life. For many, Jesus is something that we grew up in church knowing about. We know about him. We may even be able to tell lots about the Bible and lots about Jesus' life, but we don't really know him. Maybe you are in that spot this morning, and we've been talking about life change and having Jesus change your life, and you've just been thinking, man, I just need to have my life changed by Jesus." I need to accept Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. I need to to seek His forgiveness and and allow Him to to fill my heart with, with His love and with His forgiveness and with His joy and His peace. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you want to do that, don't wait. There's no need to wait because Jesus will meet you right here today. And in a minute, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to ask people to come forward and pray. And if that's you today and you're in that situation, I would love to pray with you this morning. I would, I would love to talk to you and, and, and tell you about Jesus and tell you about his amazing love and, and, and pray with you to, to invite Jesus into your heart. Let me address the second group of people this morning, those that feel like you are a beggar. We all have times in our lives where we feel like that, where we feel like we're down uh, because of all the things that are going on in life. But some of you here this morning really feel like that. You feel like you have been, been kicked out, cast aside. You feel like you're overlooked. You feel like you're worthless and like your life doesn't matter. But to Jesus, your life is, is the greatest thing. He loves you so much. And He wants you to to know that He sees you where you're at. And so as we call people forward again to pray in a moment, I would invite you to come as well. If you need to to reconnect with Jesus and you need to spend some time allowing God to speak into your life, this is a great chance to do it. And lastly, for those who, who fit with the throwing off of the cloak, you fit with that response in faith and you think, man, there are some things in my life that I need to throw off. There are some things in my life that I need to cast aside so that I can run with Jesus, so that I can walk closer to Him, so that I can allow Him to change my life. It's a perfect opportunity for you to do that today. To come to know Jesus as your Savior, to get refreshed and allow God to speak into your life, and to throw off the things that prevent you from running to Jesus. And so as I ask you to go ahead and stand with me this morning, uh, all around this room, you can stand, and uh, I just want to encourage you with this. Uh, I'm not going to wind us up, I'm not going to give a big countdown. Bartimaeus in this passage, here's the Lord call to him, and he throws off his cloak, he springs up and he runs to Jesus. And so if you need to have an experience with Jesus this morning, if God is dealing with your heart, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and you need to hear the voice of the Lord and respond in faith, I encourage you to just come forward. And uh, if you don't come forward, you can stay at your seat, but take the next couple minutes just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and search you and reflect on this truth for today. But I encourage you, if you fit in these groups, if you want to know Jesus, if you need to, to hear the voice of the Lord. If you need to throw things off, I encourage you, be like Bartimaeus. Throw those things off and run to Jesus. You can meet him uh, here today. So allow him to speak to your heart and to your life this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your voice speaking to our hearts. God, I pray that as everybody moves out from this place. God, that you would continue to speak to our hearts and lives. God, that you would continue to um, bring us this word of, of hearing your voice and responding in faith. And God, I pray that in all that we do, that we'd be aware of you and your presence and your spirit and the things that you want to do in our life. God, I pray for each of us, God, that we would have more encounters with you that change our life, more encounters with you that help us grow spiritually, more encounters with you that help us grow in our faith and our understanding of you. God, I pray that in everything that we do, God, that you would be there with us and that we can meet you face to face and have you speak into our hearts and change our lives. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask Karen just to play for the next couple minutes. Uh, As you guys are leaving, um, if anybody feels the need just to come up here and and pray, I mean, some people have been up. Um, I don't want to force anybody out. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to force anybody to just say, okay, service is done, so you can just leave. If you want to spend time in the presence of the Lord and and speaking to Him. um, Take time to do that today. Take time to do it this morning. I'll be up here if you would like to to have me pray with you or for you, um, especially for salvation or anything else. Um, But take some time to meet with the Lord today. Amen. Father God, we thank you again. Lord, pray that you just be with everybody as they leave this place. God, would you lead them and guide them? Would your spirit follow them and your presence follow them? And Lord, would you use us all uh, in great ways this week. God, draw us close to you, and may your blessing just rest upon each and every person here. God, we love you and we thank you so much. We ask all this in your name. Amen.